0: You're listening to Making Our Way, a podcast where we have conversations about some of the toughest and best moments in life, a place where we get a chance to hear from people who are creating a way forward in spite of and sometimes because of the struggles they face. This is a place for connection, to gain strength from each other. We are each other's keepers, and we can also be each other's teachers. We are better together. I'm your host, Marisa Penrod. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Making Our Way. On today's episode, it's just me. This episode is a culmination of season one, it's a celebration and a reflection on our first season. I'm going to share with you some really happy news that's happening right here in my own house. For those of you who've been faithful listeners and you want some reminders of the really powerful stories and conversations we've shared, this is for you. But for those of you who are joining us for maybe the first time, or maybe you've listened once or twice, this is some cliff notes for you. This is a sample of the vision and the spirit that is making our way. It's a great highlight reel of what we've gone over, what we've talked about, what we've covered in our first nine episodes. It's been incredible to share parts of my own story, as well as introduce you to friends who've shared their own journeys of grief and hope, happiness and meaning. There is so much beauty and power and growth in storytelling. I think on this first season, what struck me most is this overarching theme that when we're searching for wisdom or an instruction manual for life or for answers, we're kind of scanning the horizon. You know, we're looking all around us for for answers and we're waiting for something to appear and to show up. But the answers are really already here. And almost every episode, our guests talked about that everything we need is really inside of us. We may need some guidance and some encouragement and a roadmap of sorts from outside of us, but the will and the spirit and the resilience, it really comes from within. And, you know, when Joseph was first diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and I heard, you know, all the things from that doctor about the progressive nature of the disease, the devastation, just how incredibly difficult this road would be with Duchenne. I let myself have a pity party for about a day, But I didn't want to stay in that place. I wanted to have fun again. I wanted to laugh again. I wanted to have dreams and hopes for the future again. And I started to wonder, well, why can't I do all of that? Why couldn't I just decide that I was gonna do that and we were gonna have those things again? And it felt kind of naive to me at first, like, well, who do I think I am that I can have this devastating disease in our world and still be happy? Like I kept thinking, what am I missing? But it really was that simple. Now make no mistake, it doesn't mean that it was easy. In fact, at times it was overwhelmingly difficult. At times it still is overwhelmingly difficult, but whatever it is that turns our life upside down is usually something big and powerful. But at some point we get to decide how much life to keep breathing into it, how much energy to give it. And at some point the sharpness of the pain dulls. Or maybe it stays the same, but we just get used to carrying it. And at some point the battle shifts. The battle we're waging isn't necessarily against cancer or Parkinson's disease or Duchenne muscular dystrophy or cystic fibrosis or foreclosure or a downturned economy or a crummy boss. But the battle we wage is is internal. It's with our own mind. It's with our own heart and our own soul it's really with ourselves. So the battle becomes, what do we do now? What do we do with whatever it is that's difficult and really tough? And there's so much that's out of our control. There's circumstances beyond our influence. But side by side with that, there's another truth. And that is, we still have choices for how we handle things. We can still choose joy and peace and sparks of light and love and laughter. Because Ultimately, the human spirit is miraculous, and it's incredibly resilient. So difficult times take so much from us, but they don't have to steal our hope and our future. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about season one. Let's make our way through some of the highlights of the first season of Making Our Way. We've spoken to some of the most resilient people from all different walks of life. They're just real people dealing with real life and real situations. They have such a healthy respect for pain and for difficulty. And what impressed me so much was their wisdom to accept what they can't change, but to embrace what they can do to influence what comes next for them what life looks like is really different than we thought it would be. I think that's the case for all of us. And sometimes embracing that, whatever it is, is the only way forward. If we go way back to the beginning of season one, oh, our first episode, we got to share in the beauty of a life recreated when my friend Michael tells us a story about he packed his kids up and moved to a farm to recreate and redefine what their life would look like after their diagnosis of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. I've been given this kind of terrible uh, set of cards, I guess the boys have as well, in life. But I've learned and I've been told by a lot of people, it's how you play the deck of cards that you've been given. And Duchenne has helped me realize that, that I can change and adapt and have fun. And I always tell people I always choose love in all of our situations. So having both of the boys with this terrible muscle-wasting disease has really opened up my eyes, not just how to live, but how to really live well. In one of our earliest episodes, uh, I got to introduce you to my friend, Blue, who really is just an incredibly special caregiver, you know, a great person, but just, he he didn't hold back at all, sharing with us the trials, the tribulations, the gifts, the beauty of taking care of his father as he died from ALS. It is a, it is a don't miss conversation. There's so much heart in this one. It's hard to watch suffering. I mean, to me, that's the ultimate question about the universe is You ask yourself, or at least I did, how could there be some sort of all powerful being in the universe that can control everything, but my dad's body is destroying itself and Mm -hmm. he's slowly dying and nobody can fix it. It's hard to rationalize bad things if there is something that's in control of it. But I do think learning that you serving others serves yourself. And I just believe that so fundamentally in my bones. There's a variety of ways you can do it. But I I just think, ultimately, if you're capable of helping, help. In our episode with Danny Bader, we learned so much about gratitude and about moving forward. Danny experienced death firsthand and came back to tell the tale. His story is amazing. Just the factual elements of his story is just incredible, but it was his spirit and his belief and his deep faith that had me hanging on every word. He hit the electric line and it had about eight to 10,000 volts of electricity in it, according to all the investigation afterwards. And that electricity simply killed my friend and it killed me. I came back to life. He didn't. We tragically lost a a wonderful man, father, brother, son, just a really good guy. You know, I was a mess. I got to the point I was holding really strong thoughts about taking my own life. So I think for me and for so many people, it's really important when we're in those horrible, horrendous, crappy, shitty times of our life is just to take that deep breath and understand that the human spirit is tremendously strong and you can. Mm-hmm. Move through it if that's the choice that you make, and that should be the choice that you make. In our episode with Charlie Stewart, we got to see the power of love through this amazing genome scientist who has this commitment to finding cures for our very rarest diseases. But that commitment is really tightly woven with his need to find cures for his own two beautiful children.
1: My job is, it's more than just a job that pays the bills. It's unbelievably fulfilling. And in some cases, I'm able to, you know, I've been able to help people quite substantially in in making connections with them to other people. Life will never be the same again. I remember saying that, you know, one in 20 children who have this will die by the time they're age of five. And I was thinking, one in 20, actually, that's not bad odds, really. You know, but I mean, that sounds silly, doesn't it, in many ways. But, you know, you try to, you try to find the positives from from you know such a such an awful awful diagnosis we take things for granted that life is so easy
0: in one of probably my favorite episodes i had the pleasure of introducing everybody to my own counselor claire who so kindly and very gently talked to us about self-care and she really set us free from making it difficult and complicated. She took away all of our excuses. It is possible to take care of yourself and it could be super simple and straightforward. I always like to say it's restorative and it's intentional. And I think when we can pocket it into those two elements that it's restorative to your well-being and it's holding some intention of I'm I'm allowing space and time in my day for
1: this. That typically is what self-care would look like.
0: When I had a conversation with Mandy Vogler, I started off that conversation really feeling like I had an understanding of my own life with Duchenne, but she gave me such a different perspective because Mandy chose a child with Duchenne, with special needs, through adoption. And her journey to creating this family of 10 children is such a beautiful, powerful lesson on how grief and faith and joy all work together. It gives me goosebumps just to talk about her and the person that she is. I think you have to grieve what you thought you would have and embrace what you've been given, what you've been gifted. And I'm thankful for the life I had, but it hasn't come without grieving some of those things, those dreams, or those visions that we have had to give up or I've had to give up just personally. We don't want to throw in the towel because we're so overwhelmed, obviously, but you know what? Tomorrow's another day. Apologize for the stuff where you totally messed up. Allow your kids to see you in vulnerable moments. You know, I've had to apologize thousands of times to my kids, and I'm probably harder on myself than anybody else. We heard from a dear friend of mine and a a sister in the Duchenne community, Lauren, how she took this diagnosis of Duchenne for two of her boys, and she really turned it on its head. Lauren just looked at Duchenne, and and she kind of took back her power, and she decided she would redefine happiness and live by her own set of rules, she and her family. And they would focus on love and compassion and not any external expectations. It's a beautiful, beautiful conversation.
1: My older son uses a power chair and needs help with all of his activities of daily living now. And what I've learned is that what they need from me is not a cure, because I don't have a cure in my back pocket. What they need from me is the willingness to be present with them to the loss. When my son says to me, Mom, he had spinal fusion surgery this summer and there have been some complications and there has been ongoing physical pain. And when he says to me, I feel like my body is ruined, he needs for me not to take that away and to say, yeah, I get it. Your body's not working like it was before right now. And this has been a long journey. And our life has a lot of joy in it, but it's not necessarily because everything gets fixed.
0: And we got a chance to hear from my friend Tanya, who embraced her own long and difficult journey with breast cancer with such an incredible spirit. And she carried that over right into managing and navigating her son's diagnosis with Duchenne. Tanya is spunky and fun, and she's wise, and she's incredibly generous with her wisdom.
1: I do think now that I'm not grateful that I had cancer. I will never say that. It can always come back, and it very well could, but it did prepare us for the way we needed to navigate the medical system for our son. Especially 11 years ago, you start researching Duchenne and there's like, there's no cure, there's no real effective treatment. And that just was unacceptable to us. So we started the Hope for Gus Foundation and we started churning out fundraisers and raising money and and funding medical research. I did not know the first thing about running a foundation, but I knew that I couldn't get up in the morning if I wasn't doing something every day that I thought could somehow help Gus.
0: In our most recent episode, we heard from my friend Rob, where he gently guided us to pause occasionally. Ironically, he says, when we feel like we need to do more, it may be better to do nothing through the art of meditation. And I have to tell you, I was resistant to this at first because I really felt like meditating was self-indulgent, like it was a luxury and like there was no way I had time to fit that in. But Rob has really helped me see it differently.
1: We're so busy Mm -hmm.
0: that we feel funny when we just stop and do nothing, which you're,
1: and by the way, do nothing is really a play on words because you're not doing nothing. When you're alone with your thoughts, that could be a scary place. Sometimes it's a lifelong journey that the act of stopping and doing nothing, paying attention to our thoughts without judgment and coming back to the present moment can be quite useful. Once we are out and about in our busy lives, because that's when we actually use that.
0: Oh, my goodness. How lucky are we to get a front row seat and an incredible view into all of these lives well lived? So speaking of lives well lived, it's time for us to talk about some happy news that's happening right here in my very own household. Okay. So the very, very short version of the happy news is that against pretty much all odds, Joseph started college. And in the fall of every year, we hear about, we see thousands of kids and young adults starting their college experience. So in some ways it's super normal, but for us, with what Joseph's been through, with the disease that he has, it is absolutely not the expectation, and quite frankly, it wasn't something we we thought would necessarily always happen. I wasn't sure that we would see this day when Joseph was diagnosed with Dushan, you know we heard all sorts of facts and figures and scary things about you know the the loss of muscle function, um, the loss of the ability to walk, the impact on the heart and the lungs and in We've we've seen those things firsthand, and, and Joseph has experienced those. And I think at some point, he made the decision. We made the decision that he wasn't going to be a Duchenne boy. He was going to be a boy who happened to have Duchenne. That Duchenne wouldn't be all that he was, and we would have to decide how we walked this path and how we lived this life. And. One of the things I remember so clearly, when Joseph was really newly diagnosed, he was just five, and we were up in Northern Michigan on vacation with my extended family. We'd rented a big house on the beach, and all the kids, all the cousins were walking into town to get ice cream. And so Joseph and all his cousins were on the sidewalk, and the kids were a couple of them were on bikes and A lot of them were running and they were so excited to go into town and they were running ahead of Joseph. And I was kind of hanging back with him and my heart was breaking because it was one of the first times I really noticed his inability to keep up. And I was feeling it and I was holding back tears. And all of a sudden Joseph said to me, mom, mom, look. And he turned to the the side of the sidewalk and there was a flower. And he crouched down, sweet little, you know, five-year-old legs. He kind of crouched down and he looked. He said, Mom, look, look at this bug. And he had noticed a bug on a flower, which seems like such, you know, not a big deal. But for me at that moment, it was monumental. And I realized when you go slower, you see more. And I think that was the first time that I started to internalize and understand that all of our journeys don't look the same. Joseph made it to get ice cream. He he got to the destination. He just did it in his own way. And from that moment until this moment this fall, he got to his destination. Joseph has wanted to go to Michigan State University since he was about five or six. He's been a lifelong fan. It's been his dream. It is the only college he applied to. And he was determined. And I think that initially... It was as if this diagnosis wrote his story, as if it sort of became the crystal ball, like this was all he was, but that's not how it works for any of us. Just as you know, nobody gets to tell us who we are, neither does any disease or any struggle get to tell us who we are. We get to write our own story. We decide when to fight and when to rest, when to laugh, when to cry. We get to decide when we grieve and grow and ask for help or fly solo. And what I think I've discovered in Joseph leaving for college is that when so much is lost, and, and a lot of things have been taken from Joseph because of Duchenne, but when so much is lost, there's still so much that remains. And that's where we start building. It's from that point that we start to make our own way and figure things out. You know, I think in, in this time we're in right now, we're coming out of a pandemic, but really still in it. You know, sadly, we're, we're marking the 20th anniversary of 9-11, something that I don't think any of us could have imagined ever would have happened. And I think one of the things that strikes me is that the unexpected It really is expected. Life doesn't turn out the way that we always think it will. We never know what tomorrow is bringing. The only thing we really have is today. And I think it's pretty exciting to think about a young man, which is now what Joseph is, coming from being a five-year-old diagnosed with a devastating catastrophic disease, now being a young man who is fulfilling his dream and attending college at Michigan State. I think it's a great example for all of us that at some point the miraculous moments do appear and the impossible becomes probable and then becomes possible and ultimately can become our new reality. And I just am blown away by Joseph. I know this is a year of first, new chapter for him. And It is to me the ultimate miracle of faith and belief and the real power of the human spirit and of not letting our circumstances control who we are. So I am just thrilled that Joseph's where he is. I was so excited to share it with everybody. Good stuff is happening. I think that epitomizes what we're all about. We are so excited to be working on our second season of Making Our Way. It's going to be filled with a lot more of these Wonderful stories of overcoming, of acceptance, of managing difficult times. We're really excited about some of the guests we're going to bring to you, about some of the topics we're going to be covering. But what I want to make sure is that what we offer up in this podcast is really what people are looking for and what serves you. I want to hear from you. So if you have a thought about a topic you want to cover, about a story you'd like to hear, about a person you'd like us to interview, I would love for you to reach out. You can email me personally. You just email me at write a team joseph. It's at marisaateamjoseph.org, M-A-R-I-S-S-A at teamjoseph.org send me an email. We want to make this podcast all of ours. So here's to the miraculous moments. Here's to difficult and catastrophic moments becoming the foundation for building a life of joy and love and meaning. We'll see you in a few weeks for season two. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Our Way. If you enjoyed this, please share it and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any episodes. Production support was generously provided by PTC Therapeutics and Sarepta Therapeutics. Thank you for making this possible. If you'd like to learn more about the work that Team Joseph is doing to support the Duchenne community and to make the world a better place, please visit us at teamjoseph.org.